1: And welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future podcast, presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future. You can find my work at astrosfuture.com and find me on Twitter at Astros Future.
0: And I'm your co-host, Brian Hamilton, and you can find me on Twitter at bham 1720 And be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account at Apollo HOU, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
1: Today on the show, we're going to do our normal look around the minors, but with it being just a week away from the trade deadline, we are joined by Astros reporter for the Houston Chronicle, Chandler Rome. How you doing, Chandler?
2: What's up, guys? How are y'all? Doing Doing pretty good. So the
1: Astros won last night. They're sitting at 59 and 39, a three and a half game lead in the division right now. Coming into the season, is this what you expected of the team? Are they performing at what you thought they would for uh, the 2021 season?
2: Um, Yeah, I I think Something around this. I mean, I think if you'd have told me they, I think 20 (coughs) games over 500 is maybe a little much. I think I maybe would expect them to be on a little less of a win pace. Mm -hmm. Um, Their lineup has, their lineup has met my expectations, albeit with some guys in there that have exceeded it. You know, I I thought Yuli Gurriel was in the beginning of a decline after last year, and he has proved me wrong. He's been very, very good for them. Um, Jose Altuve, kind of the same thing. I, I didn't think it was a decline necessarily, but I don't think I would have believed you in March if you'd have told me Jose Altuve is leading this team in home runs right mm-hmm. now. Um, definitely not that. Um, the rotation has exceeded my expectations. Uh, that's probably the biggest surprise to me. What the rotation is... I knew that the rotation would be durable. I know I knew that they would eat innings. I just didn't know how good they would be while eating innings, and mm-hmm. they've been very, very good. Um, but the one question I would have is how sustainable is it. Um, you know you look at Luis Garcia coming up on an innings threshold that he hasn't pitched before. Um, Jaco de Rizzi last night kind of um, invited some concern. I, I think the one thing about this rotation that um, is different from the other rotations that the Ashers have had during this run um it really is with these five guys you legitimately never know what you're going to get from them when they go out on the mound like Lance Mm -hmm. McCullers could pitch like an ace one day and then his next start he could walk five and five innings and and throw 110 pitches and and only five and dive um you know Fromber Valdez started off when he came back from the I.L. he was so good in his last four or five starts. I believe he's hovering around a five ERAs last four or five starts. Now this this rotation does not have a Verlander or a Cole um, or a Keuchel for that matter when, back in his prime when you know those guys would go out there and you knew exactly what you were going to get. You were going to get seven innings, two or fewer runs with 12 punch outs. Mm-hmm. And this team just doesn't have that. They don't have an ace. And that's not necessarily a problem, but it's one of those things where if it's all going bad at the same time, if if these guys don't perform at the same time, it could really come back to bite you. But I think everyone obviously when you talk about um, Mm -hmm. when when you talk about being upset or, or looking at an area of need, it's in the bullpen. And Mm -hmm. I I didn't think this bullpen would be great coming into the season. Um, It has been worse maybe than I even thought. And I, I think it's twofold, you know, one, they, they didn't make a bunch of additions in the offseason. You know, uh, James Click signed Ryan Stanek. He signed Pedro Baez. But even with those two guys, I, I didn't think those were the guys that were going to be the answer. Um, I, I think where we have seen an error here is, you know, the front office and the coaching staff trusted some of these rookies that came up last year. And the transition from 60 to 162 games, the addition of fans in the stands, um, and just the general sophomore slump. The general—I mean, you hear it all the time in baseball. Your your, your second year in the big leagues is so much is, is much harder than your first, mm-hmm. and it's gone awry for pretty much every rookie in that bullpen um, at some point. And they counted on them to do a lot last year, and they were counting on it to reprise this role this year, and it just hasn't happened. So, yeah. um, as we look at the deadline, obviously the it's going to be easiest for them to acquire a reliever. There's just more of those available, but, you know, James Click hasn't ruled out a starting pitcher and I, and I wouldn't rule it out either, you know, cause I think that they can, um, I think that they can get a starting pitcher and also address their bullpen from within or heck, if you're going to go over the luxury tax, you can get a starting pitcher and a reliever.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. One guy that you mentioned at the beginning was um, Luis
0: Garcia. So we're, I mean, he's been, Fantastic so far this year. Could be in the conversation for rookie of the year. What are you thinking about his rookie of the year chances? Do you think what he's doing is sustainable? And and do you think that we could count on him um, in the playoffs for a rotation spot?
2: Well, it may be Garcia versus Garcia for rookie of the year. Luis Garcia versus Adol- Adolis Garcia from, from the Rangers. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's got as good a shot as any. He's certainly going to be in the in the conversation. Certainly, if he keeps pitching like this, he's going to be in the three finalists. Um, Sustainable, yeah. I mean, until he shows otherwise, I'm going to say yes. I mm-hmm. mean, the sample size is big enough now to where this isn't just a blip. I mean, he's thrown 91 in the third innings. And he's striking out 10.3 per nine, and he's got a 2.86 ERA. Like, I mean, that's that that's enough of a sample size to where we can say that this isn't a fluke. Um, but like I just mentioned, you know, he has thrown 91 in a third innings. He's never thrown more than 108 innings in any professional season. Um, everyone responds differently to these sort of workloads. You know, I think the Astros are at a point right now where they're just going to let it ride. Like Mm -hmm. if he if he comes to – maybe one day he comes to the ballpark and says he's feeling a little tired. Maybe he – until they see the stuff start to decline, until they see signs of fatigue, until they see signs of injury, I think they're just going to let this go. But they are going to have to be proactive with this. I would not be surprised if you see Peter Solomon come up from AAA maybe in August and September um, to make some spot starts to maybe skip Garcia's turn in the rotation just to conserve his innings. Um, But that would also have to be like if the Astros are running away with the division, Um, they're only three and a half up right now. And Luis Garcia has been their best starting pitcher. So they can't afford to take him out of the rotation. They need him pitching meaningful games. So it would help the situation if, the Astros could get a little bit more of a lead in the division if they can run out to a little bit bigger of a cushion. But, you know, right now they're going to let Garcia ride until he shows signs that he's either declining or fatigued. And um, that's kind of a dangerous, that's kind of a dangerous line to walk when every day you go to the ballpark, you don't know if, you know, this is going to be the day where he says, Hey, you know, I felt some tenderness in my shoulder or Hey, I've got dead arm today. Like, that's always got to be in their minds, but, Again, every team is combating this because of last year, um, going from the 60-game season to 162 games. It's just magnified with Garcia because he is a rookie. He's a big mm-hmm. part of their future, and they've got a balance wanting to keep him healthy and knowing that they've got him for six more years and to keep that long-term health with right. wanting to maximize his short-term value.
1: So you talked about it a little bit when it came to the bullpen and how much the bullpen has been struggling, but Outside of Ryan Presley, the bullpen has pretty much been a best. But I just think to myself, where would the Astros be right now if they didn't have a guy like Ryan <laughs> yeah. Presley that was just consistent and really, really good at the back end of the bullpen?
2: Uh, I I don't want to think about that. I don't think you guys. Want to, I don't think you, I don't think you guys want to think about where they'd be without Ryan Presley. Um, he's got a case of he's maybe the best reliever in baseball this season. Mm-hmm. I mean. And the biggest compliment you can give a guy like Ryan Presley, and this is going to sound weird, but when he comes in for the ninth inning, you almost don't pay attention because you mm-hmm. know what's going to happen. He's going to go three up, three down. You know, he, he could mix in a single here, could mix in a walk here. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he's given up an earned run since Fernando Tatis Jr. hit that home run. Right. And, right. and that is, I mean, that, that's, we're going on three months now since mm-hmm. that had that happened in mid-May. Um, that, that's absurd. And, you know, I I do think Astros fans shouldn't take it for granted because this is something that every team would kill to have. And I I get that the Astros bullpen has its problems, but to have that luxury at the back end is it's almost invaluable and it's almost indescribable how how comforting that is for a front office and for a manager and for a coaching staff. So um, they need they need more arms to bridge to him, you know. I I think certainly when you look at the deadline, and I think they would take Craig Kimbrell in a heartbeat. I mean, obviously, uh, they would take any one of these leverage relievers out there in a heartbeat. But I I just, the way Presley is throwing the ball, I just don't see how you interrupt that continuity and take him out of the ninth inning role, even if you get a, a quote unquote established closer at the trade deadline.
0: Yeah, and see, I, I agree with you, Chandler. Whenever the um, the Kimbrel news came out, I kept thinking like, well, we've already got Presley there. I don't know if they're going to want to pay the price for a, a closer like Kimbrel. But it seems like they're going to make some sort of acquisition for a bullpen arm. James Click said something yesterday similar to that uh, to you guys in the media where he was saying something along the lines of, you know, we can't just rely on the guys that are coming back from injury right now. We have to improve the club. So if you take away Kimbrel and some of the other established closers that may be out there, Are there any other names that you may be hearing or thinking of that are middle reliever types that you think we may be interested
2: in? Yeah, not, um, I don't know if I can give you specific names just because teams don't talk, Deans don't talk anymore. Like they're not. And and certainly if they're going to, if they're talking about which relievers they're going (laughs) to, they're going to acquire, they're not telling me. Um, I'll be, (laughs) I'll be be one of, I'll be one of the last to know. Um, (laughs) So, you know, when you look at it, look at some, I would focus your attention maybe on some teams that you know are going to be sellers. The Orioles. I mean, when the Orioles came in here, some of the guys that came out of their bullpen, I was shocked Mm -hmm. that a team that bad had some of those guys coming out of their bullpen. You look at call Sussler, you look at Paul Fry, you look at Tanner Scott. Um, The Tigers, A.J. Hinch has the Tigers playing so well right now and I mean, there's still like five or six games under 500. I still think they'll sell some some movable parts, but Gregory Soto, who throws 100. Jose Cisnero, who former Astros legend, Jose Cisnero, maybe a reunion's, <laughs> in, maybe a reunion's in the cards. Um, you know, look at Chris Stratton in, in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. You know, these are just some guys, you know, if the Angels decide to sell, you look at Gisela Iglesias. Um, I, I think what this bullpen does need more than anything, and I think the one thing that when you watch them – um, it's clearly missing aside from Preston. They do not have swing and misses Um yeah. they They don't well, we all know they don't throw the ball over the plate. I mean, they they walk way too many guys. They fall behind in way too many counts. But the problem is the problem fully to me is that they they don't get swings and misses. And where that will where that will come in to haunt you is, you know, if you're in a playoff game, second and third one out and J.D. Martinez is coming up in the sixth inning and you don't want your starter to face him a third time. Like, Dusty Baker's not going to Presley right there. And I I don't know who you go to because second and third one out in a close game in the sixth inning, like, you don't need, like, a fly ball to center field. You need a strikeout. You need a punch Mm -hmm. out to stop the rally. And they don't have that guy. Like, Ryan Presley was that guy for them in 2019 and 2018, a guy that they could put in from the 5th until the 8th, and he could get him a punch out, he would get him swing and miss and, and quell a rally. He was their fireman. They don't have a fireman. Like they tried to act like Brooks Raley is their fireman. And while Brooks Raley pitched better than his line indicated, he's not a swing and miss guy. He, he gets soft contact, and when you get soft contact, when play, teams put the ball and play, bad things can happen. Mm-hmm. So I think what they should – if I were them, what I would be looking for, I would be looking for a guy that gets swing and miss. I would be looking for a guy. I don't know if it's a high velocity guy. I don't know if it's a guy that spins two breaking balls really well. I I would be looking for one or two guys that can get me swinging this because this bullpen does not have that.
1: They they moved Christian Javier to the bullpen recently, uh, with the you know, when Oda Rizzi came back and he's had some solid numbers, but like you mentioned, he's he's walking a lot of guys too. Do you think that's a guy that they can potentially rely on, or do you think it's his, his, uh, his command right now is just is too shaky to rely on in, in that kind of situation when you're really needing a strikeout.
2: Well, he's one of their better options. But, but like I said, like everyone in the bullpen, not named Preston, throws too many uncompetitive pitches, throws too mm-hmm. many balls. And he, he falls in line in that category. I think they want him to be that guy. I mean, you saw last night he pitched the ninth inning of a four-run game. Now, granted, that's not the highest stress situation, but it's different than what we've seen from him. Um, James Click, I asked him yesterday, like, how are they balancing Christian Javier's long term future? Because they do still view him as a starter. Mm-hmm. Um, how are they balancing that with the short term value he can give the bullpen? And James Click said, We see him as a multi inning leverage weapon. Now, if they view him as a multi inning leverage weapon going forward, they've been reluctant to use him on back to back days. So, you're you, like, if you get into a playoff series and this is how you're using him not on back-to-back days and for multiple innings, (coughs) you, you got one shot to use and it better be the right shot. And you better make sure you get the maximum value out of it. And, you know, I I just don't think that's the best way to address what's going on because you're not, if you can only use him once and if it's going to be multiple innings and it just, I, I don't know, they need him in the bullpen. He's, he's better than a lot of the other options they have, but, they need to figure out how to use him and use him more effectively to maximize his value for more than just, you know, once every three or four days.
1: Yeah, definitely. It, it, it He's had some solid numbers. Like I said, the walk seem to be an issue still a little bit, but like I said, he's he's one of the best options they have out, out in there, out there outside of Ryan Presley. But on the trade topic, there's been like some little rumors about the Astros being interested in Starling Marte. So do you think they'll actually look to add an outfield? I know Miles Straw has played a lot better over the last couple of months. The numbers have been down probably over the last few weeks, but do you think they'll they'll go that route and look to upgrade the outfield?
2: You know, I I haven't heard that. I mean, I've seen the reports, obviously. Mm-hmm. I, I I've only heard pitching. Now that doesn't mean that they're not checking in everywhere and they're not right. doing their due diligence. Um, you know, I, I I could see it. I mean, certainly anything's possible. I, I don't think that's Their foremost area of need, though, Uh, I don't think that's what they need to be zeroing in on. Like, I I think if the trade deadline comes and goes, if if they let's like let's just say it's a fantasy world, if they acquire Starling Marte and don't do anything for the bullpen, like, would that really have helped them at all? Like, I mean, right? Like, think about like, I don't know. I just think the bullpen is so much more of a pressing need, or just any sort of pitching depth is more of a pressing need, and. You know, you mentioned Miles Straw. You've got Chaz McCormick, too, who's seen his playing time dwindle a good bit here recently through mm-hmm. no fault of his own. They're just, I mean, guys are back and playing better. Um, you know, you've always got that option, too, if Miles Straw kind of continues to sputter, but he hasn't been sputtering that much. And I get that they want more power. I think that's maybe the, that what they're looking at here is, you know, they, they want a guy that can put the ball in the gap a little bit more and get a little bit more power. Mm-hmm. Um, Chaz McCormick can do that. He just hasn't done it, you know, for a consistent long time. So, I I mean, I personally think they're okay with who they have at center, but, um, you know, James Click's going to exhaust all options. I I don't think he's just completely tuned out on any position player. Yeah. Um, But I I think their more pressing needs are certainly uh, pitching.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, Chandler. Whenever I keep seeing the uh, Starling Marte rumors, it kind of is interesting, like you said, because of the bullpen – so one thing, like you had mentioned, even if they get a starter, you can always shift someone to the bullpen. So it will indirectly kind of help out the bullpen. But one of the rumors that have come out the last week or so, the big name, Max Scherzer, the Nationals may or may not be sellers. I personally don't think that they will be. I don't think that they'll trade him. But the rumor was that he would only approve a trade since he has his no trade clause if the team acquiring him would give him a contract extension. So I'm just kind of curious, just what do you think about just that little nugget right there? Do you think that that will automatically scare the Astros away from him if they were interested in him? But given how Jay, well, Verlander and uh, Zach Granke are both free agents, is that something that they would possibly look at? What are your thoughts on that whole situation?
2: Well, I, I, first of all, like, I, I've seen no one credible like, talk about Max Scherzer to the Astros. So like, I just don't think that that I, I mean, could it happen? Sure. Um, But like you said, we don't know that the Nationals are even selling like they're using this week of play right now to determine whether they're going to sell. Mm -hmm. And even I think Mike Rizzo told reporters that, like, even if they do sell, like he still thinks Max Scherzer is going to be on the team at the end of the year. And I do think you have to remember, too, that this is the same Nationals front office and ownership group that nixed the Bryce Harper trade that the Astros had in principle in 2017. Or 2018, excuse me. So this is a a front office that has been reluctant to part with, you know, the bases of franchises and things like that. So um, what would worry, look, and if it, I I saw Scott Boris talk to Ken Rosenthal about the extension part of it. And I forgive me, I don't have it in front of me and I don't remember exactly what it said. But I I will just in general kind of say this, you know, you mentioned Verlander to start. Like, how did that extension work out for you? like not very good you got one start out of two years <laughs> and 66 million dollars and i mean obviously not everybody is the same maybe if you in a fantasy world if max scherzer does get acquired by somebody and does do an extension like maybe he ages like burlander and maybe it's a great extension but in general it, long-term extensions for starting pitchers are, are not the wisest investment and certainly for an aging starting pitcher it, it wouldn't maybe it would go against I think a lot of what the Astros and and kind of how their front office operates even with James Click uh, it would go against a lot of that even the Verlander extension quite frankly went against a lot of what the Astros I mean it was it was shorter term and length but the money went against it and certainly you know putting that much on a on an aging guy so um, it would it would go against pretty much everything we've seen from the Astros like they, they don't spend in free agency and they don't spend on starting pitching like McCullers mm-hmm. free McCullers extension in spring was like their biggest um, splurge on a starting pitcher since Scott felt um, so <laughs> yeah. so I mean it would go against a lot of things but. Um, I wouldn't rule out that the Astros are looking at starting pitching, but I would I would maybe tap the brakes on Scherzer, and I would also say that you know the bullpen is probably their foremost concern. And like I said, there's just a lot of relievers out there. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know who other than Max Scherzer, Jose Barrios, um, those are the two guys that immediately come to mind that are, that would be available. And of those two, we only know that Jose Barrios is there. Like, we're not even sure Max Scherzer will even be available. So, there's just more, there's just more relievers out there to choose from. And I think that surplus will allow, you know, the Astros to be a little more selective.
1: Yeah, I agree. On the topic of the, the trades in general, let's say the Astros do make a trade for uh, a middle reliever that they don't get a Kimball, they get one of those guys that they can plug in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning, like that. If they get one of those guys and based on what they have on the team right now, do you think that they have a, enough talent to win a World Series this season?
2: I don't know, man. It's such a crapshoot. If you'd have asked me last season, I would have said that they had no chance Mm -hmm. when they got into the playoffs and they were a game away from getting there. I mean, it's, uh, um, they have the, they have, in my opinion, the best lineup in baseball when it's clicking. Um, It's not clicking right now. They've, they've had Mm -hmm. a, they've had a pretty bad July offensively. I mean, that's kind of gone under the radar because they have pitched pretty well, but they've had a bad July. And then, now, granted, their June was just off the charts good, so there was going to be some regression, some sort of mean. Um, but they've not had a good July. Um, I I have concerns about their rotation. Just like I said, they don't have an ace, and that's not you don't have to have an ace necessarily to win the whole thing. But if you look at the last few World Series winners, like look at the Nationals, what they rolled out there in 2019. Like, in 2017 with the Astros roll out are starting pitching-wise. Last year with the Dodgers, with, with Bueller and Kershaw. Like, um, I, I just – I think the starting pitching is fine. The rotation is very fine. And the ERA is what it is. You can't knock it. But, you know, we've seen Zach Greinke not pitch well in, in playoff situations. You know, Lance McCullers has – not pitched well in playoff. And that's not to say they can't do it this year. You know, Fromber Valdez seems to be regressing a little bit to the mean. Um, Jake Odorizzi has, I don't think met any expectations when they signed him in spring training. So um, I think as long as the starters can get you through six or seven, sure that they have enough pieces in the bullpen where I think that they can put it together, but getting through six or seven as a starter in the regular season is an entirely different scenario than getting through six or seven in the playoffs. So that, that would be my one worry. Again, like they need bullpen arms. They need guys to get the ball to Presley, but um, their starting rotation does concern me maybe a little bit more than anybody else. Maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe I just, I got so used to watching Verlander and Cole, but now I, I watch guys kind of struggle a little bit and just think that they need to tear the whole thing down. Like, I, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just kind of crazy in that thought, but, I, just something about the rotation just doesn't—it
0: mm-hmm.
2: doesn't scream like World Series winning rotation to me. And who knows? Maybe they'll prove me wrong. I don't know, but um, I, I think they have as good a chance as anybody um, with the lineup that they have. The lineup's clicked, and they can outslug anybody and mask any other deficiencies. But like we saw in Chicago, like when this team started against the White Sox after the break, it's going to be really hard to hit high-end pitching. Yep. And like we just talked about, not having an ace, like the White Sox got two of them and maybe three if you count Giolito, who threw a complete game against you. So um, it would would worry me a little bit, but I I think they have as good a chance as any, um, provided that they hit and provided that the starters get them deep in the games. So kind of switching gears just a little bit, um, back in spring training, the whole
0: talk was Carlos Correa, his contract. He had that date that he wanted a a new contract by, or he was just going to hit free agency, which of course it did pass. And now he is going to hit free agency. I'm just curious. What do you think about his next contract? What do you think it'll be? Who do you think will give it to him? Um, I, I'm pretty sure that you agree. that He's most likely not coming back to Houston.
2: Yeah, it won't be the Astros. Uh, I don't think right. they will be the. I, they, I definitely don't think they will be the one to give him his next contract. Um, I don't know. He's been. He's obviously had a rough go of it at the plate lately. Um, his defense is still just unbelievable. And I, and I think the one thing that he did show, even coming in, like. Before he started slumping in July, I think the one thing that he showed, and he said this in spring training, that he thought he was the only complete, he and Lindor were the only complete shortstops in the class, the guys that could do it both, that could do it both offensively and defensively. And I think he has shown that um, tenfold this season. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, you also look at the market that he's going to be entering, you know, a guy who I thought was, who I still think maybe is a better overall player than him and Corey Seager hasn't played in two months Mm -hmm. that helped I mean that I mean like as much as you don't want to see a guy get hurt like that helps because you know he hasn't been out there he hasn't been able to accumulate stats and anytime you get hurt it's going to diminish your value a little bit and we've seen that with Correa obviously Um, I think he wants and look I mean this is no breaking news or anything I mean you heard what he said in spring training you heard what he said when the when these numbers were given that he wants money that the Astros just have never given, like, ever. Mm -hmm. And I I just – they're not going to match that, I don't think, unless there is a complete 180, 360 change of thinking, unless Jim Crane just decides that this is a player that we can't live without, um, he's going to go somewhere else. And, you know, I I think there are a lot of teams that could use him. I mean, I'm I'm thinking maybe even in the division, like, the Rangers could use him. Like, I I get they're not going to be – they're not going to be relevant again for a couple of years, but I mean, they've got building blocks and that's the kind of guy that you, you sign to kind of build things around, you know, maybe the Phillies, maybe I, I know the Mariners have J.P. Crawford, but, you know, maybe the Mariners, um, you know, hell, if Corey Seager leaves the Dodgers, then the Dodgers <laughs> oh, leave then the Dodgers would have like, shut Like, imagine that. Imagine that. Yeah. yeah. That, would, that, that, would, that, that would, I think, I think that would, drives an Astros fans up a wall, but I mean, I'm telling you, it could be, it could be in the cards. I think one team
0: that always jumps out to me whenever I think about Carlos Correa is Miami, just because of, you know, their farm system's very good. They don't really have anybody at the big league level making a ton of money. And, And like you said about the Rangers possibly signing him, that's the kind of guy you, you give them 300 million and then you bring up all those prospects over the next three to four years and you just start from there.
2: Yeah. And then, you know, maybe the giants too. Um, Brandon Crawford's obviously having an unbelievable season, but he is older and that's a Giants team that's obviously very good right now that has money to spend and that has prospects too. Um, Do they go after him to replace Brandon Crawford or do they keep Brandon Crawford around? Like, There's a lot of different ways this thing could go and he's going to have no shortage of suitors and I have a feeling it will go just like the George Springer free agency, just like the Garrett Cole free agency of um, hey like we're giving you a qualifying offer like this is us trying mm-hmm. and yeah. that is the extent of the trying yeah. um it, it's I, I think it will be a short discussion with the Astros um, unless again unless something changes to the point where it's just a complete transformative way of thinking because like we said like this team does not spend in free agency they do not hand out long contracts and it's pretty clear and that's what was that was what was the crux of Carlos Correa's I don't even want to say anger because I don't think he was angry, mm-hmm. but just his, and not even frustration either, but the, his explanations in spring training were, you know, they told me we don't do long-term deals. And mm-hmm. that's just how the front office is. They, they right. don't do long-term deals. They're not going to give him eight years or 10 years. And that's what he wants.
1: Yeah, so Sticking with the the middle infield and, one guy I want to talk about real quick, Jose Altuve. So after everything he kind of went through last year, the, the struggles and then the stuff that he didn't tell people about the, the, the off-the-field issues he was dealing with, just how happier are you for him to, to be able to do what he's been doing this year, the walk-off home runs, the one right before the All-Star break against the Yankees, and, and just having a, a good season, kind of still showing that he's you know one of the better players, maybe one of the better uh, middle infielders in baseball.
2: Well, I think the Astros are happier than I am um, because, because again, like I think I mentioned it earlier, like thoughts about a decline, like really did enter your head. Cause like he was right. 30 last year. Like he's in his thirties now, like time waits for no one. And you were thinking that this is the start of a decline and it's obviously not. Um, he's, he's been every bit the Jose Altuve of, of old, um, you know, his, the one thing I would say, you know, he, he's obviously hitting for power more. He leads a team with 22 home runs, but or 23, excuse 23, excuse me. But you know, the batting average, and I look, I I, I view batting average for what it is. Like it's not a it's not a great stat to use mm-hmm. as like a holy representative of a hitter. But like, this is a guy that you're used to seeing hit 300. You used mm-hmm. to see him hit, you know, 310, 320. He's only hitting 277, but you know, he's getting on base at a 350 clip. He's slugging 510. So maybe mm-hmm. like the, the consistent hits aren't there. Maybe he's not getting all those infield singles and those kind of shift beaters and those kind mm-hmm. of it, things like that. Maybe he, those aren't coming for him. But when he's making contact with the ball, it's going a long way. Mm-hmm. He's putting the ball in the gap. He's putting the ball over the fence, which for this team, especially I think what's gone maybe understated during Altuve's home run spree is, you know, without Springer. I mean, this is a lineup that, you can't compare this lineup to the 2019 lineup because of the slugging percentage. Like that, that 2019 lineup had the highest slugging percentage of any lineup in big league history. Like this one's not going to have that because George Springer's not in there. And they needed Mm -hmm. someone like you knew with Alvarez coming back, you knew that that would help, but they needed someone to supply some form of power. And with Bregman being out. And even before that Bregman wasn't hitting for power, miles straw is never going to hit for power. And Martin Maldonado's in there to play defense. Um, they needed a little bit more of a power surge from their established guys. And Altuve's provided that. I mean, he's going to – presuming he stays on this pace, he's going to shatter his his career high at home runs is 31. That's going to get shattered mm-hmm. um, and maybe within the next month given the way he's uh, – given the pace he's on. But, right. um, you know, yeah, certainly for him, it, it, looks, it looks like vintage Altuve. And, you know, the hitting is one thing, but I think the defense has really surprised me. Because, look, even before the, the throws to first base in the ALCS last year, like, Altuve was never viewed as an elite defender. Like, I know we won a gold glove in, in 2015, but he was never viewed as, as such an elite defender. Like, I know a lot of people don't like that story that Sports Illustrated wrote before the season, but, like, it, it's all true, and it's all what people in the organization said. Like, he, he is not a great defender in second base and I didn't know about them talking about moving him in the outfield, but he, he he never has been viewed as an elite defender, but I think this year he has been. Yeah. Like he, he's taking hits away in the shift. His throwing is very much improved. Um, he worked with Joe Espada this offseason to get right, and, and it shows. And I think that's been the biggest um, – certainly the biggest eye-opener for me because I think deep down, even when Altuve was, was bad last year, I think deep down, even in your heart of hearts, like you knew – like there's more here. Like mm-hmm. this guy is not, this is not the real Altuve. Like you knew that something was going to like come out of him and he was going to be back to normal hitting wise. But I had questions about the defense. I really did. And he's answered them all um, to start this season.
1: All right, channel well, I really appreciate you coming on with us, but before we let you go, is there anything that you have coming up soon? Any articles to be on the lookout for?
2: Well, I just wrote a very long story about how Carlos Correa throws so damn mm-hmm. hard. <laughs> so, that, so if if you would like if you would like to indulge me and read that, it's the story I wanted to do forever. Because like, again, like I'm I'm spoiled getting I mean, we're all spoiled watching this team and watching him play defense for every day, and he throws his throws are just unbelievable. And I talked to a bunch of guys and, and got their favorite throws from him, and they're all included in that story. So, if you have like. 10 minutes to waste. I wrote like 2,000 <laughs> words about Carlos Correa throwing a lot. So that, that was cool. And then like um, the deadline's going to be ramping up here. Um, I leave Sunday for the road trip, which is the longest road trip of the year and three great cities, Seattle, San Francisco, and LA. So I'm not going to complain, <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll be all over the deadline. Um, I would, I would caution everyone, like check your sources first, like mm-hmm. believe credible right. people, believe credible people, Make sure they have the check mark. Make sure it's not fake Jeff Passon or fake Ken Rosenthal before you freak out. <laughs> and uh, and uh, look, even if they um, even if they don't do anything, um, like I mentioned, I, I think this team has enough. I think this team has enough to contend for a World Series as is. They need to improve. They need upgrades. And I think James Click knows that. But even if they don't do anything, um, while it will be um, a little bit shocking, and it, while it will be a cost-based move based on the CBT, which is not anything you ever want to see from your professional sports team. Just mm-hmm. take solace in the fact that this team is where it is and it's got a very good chance to win the World Series as constructed.
1: Yeah, well, we really appreciate you coming on. Awesome, awesome stuff. Um yeah. So, yeah, man, really, really good stuff. We appreciate it. All right, that's going to do yeah. it for segment one. In the next segment, Brian and I are going to take a look around the system for the last week, and we'll get to that in <clears> just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros Future Podcast, presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop us a review or leave us some stars. So we'll, we'll do our minor league recap. We'll start with the Skeeters. They're at 38-29, as it has been every week. We, we, I f- we talk about the same people, but there's a reason this guy is constantly talked about. Jake Myers. The dude is hitting 343 now, 16 homers, 17 doubles, 10 stolen bases. And he started out the season hot, and it got a little bit better, and then you, yeah, maybe it you think a guy would kind of cool off, and he hasn't. He, he's been phenomenal all season. The guy is ready to be in the big leagues right now if it's with the Astros or somebody else, hopefully with the Astros. And we'll talk a little bit about that, about what me and you were texting about yesterday when it comes to potential trades. But, yeah, Jake Myers has just been phenomenal this year.
0: Yeah, Jake Myers, one of those guys who I knew him by name at the beginning of the season, but just the fact that we've talked about him so much and I continue to look at his uh, game clips, his box stats, everything, man. He is definitely a guy that's going to force him his way onto a big league club next year. Uh, like you said, hopefully it's with the Astros because he is a he is an elite defender. But uh, man, we have got a good group of outfielders in the minor league system, man. And um, I, it's just it's super exciting to see, especially with a guy like Jake Myers who not a lot of fans knew of uh, before this season, mm-hmm. but he certainly made a name for himself.
1: Yeah, and we we talked about it a lot earlier in uh, the season when Miles Straw was struggling. But if those struggles were to continue. You know, I, I would like to see a guy like Jake Myers get the, a chance. I know a lot of people want to see a, a Chas McCormick get more consistent at-bats, and everyone was really calling for Jose Siri earlier. But we've talked about the defense he has and the way he's performing offensively. He would be a guy that I would love to see get an opportunity. I don't think that's necessarily going to happen this year unless the Astros, uh, what we kind of talked about with Chandler, if they decided to upgrade an outfield position and, and move maybe a mile straw, and then you have a hole next year in center field if they were to get a guy like Marte, who I think is a free agent coming up but another guy that would probably play into the mix next year, Pedro Leon. I know he's been playing shortstop, but I still think he has a, a very bright future as an outfielder or center fielder. And he got promoted to AAA this week in three games so far. He's five for 12 overall OPS this season. He's up to eight twenty-two. And, you know, we, we talked about it over and over. He struggled those first couple of weeks, but since then he's shown exactly why he was one of the most heralded international signings. Yeah, man,
0: Pedro Leon, he, uh, his, his bump up to AAA, it wasn't a surprise, but it was a surprise, if that makes sense. You mm. and I were talking about it like an hour before it actually happened, and I remember texting you like, you know, I really think he's just going to finish the year out at A. They may bump him up to AAA just to be part of the playoffs for the AAA team, but I think the fact that he has been bumped up, he's been, he, he's been tearing the ball up, man, since that first month of the season. After that first month of the season, he's just been on fire everywhere. I really think, and we'll get into this a little bit later on, but I really think Pedro Leon's our starting center fielder for the Astros on opening day next year.
1: Yeah. And like we said, it, it, I don't, we've talked about it a little bit. If the Astros did decide to move on from Miles Straw and a potential or in a way to upgrade this year and maybe get a guy who is a free agent, uh, like a Starling Marte to play center field, well, then you have a hold next year. But that's when a guy like Pedro Leon or, or Jake Myers can step in on the right. pitching I, side. Oh, go ahead, Brian.
0: Well, I was just going to say, yeah. I mean, like you and I texted about it, but just to put it out here on the podcast, you know, Starling Marte is a free agent at the end of the mm-hmm. year. We have been linked to him. You know, Chandler was talking earlier that he hasn't really heard much about that, and I tend to think that he's right about that because yeah. it just doesn't really make a ton of sense. But one thing you and I were talking about yesterday, Jimmy, is you know I, I could see a scenario where we part with Miles Straw in a potential Starling Marte deal. Marte, Star, oh, I'm sorry, Straw has, what, four or five years left of uh, control. Right. Marte is going to be a free agent. And then the club may think Pedro Leon will be ready to take over in center field next year anyway. Yeah. So I'm not. I don't know what else that would take, or if that's some sort of bogus theory, but just a thought.
1: Yeah, and I definitely think that the club is high on Leon, obviously based on how much they gave him. But if you look at, it, he played 52 games in Double A, and that was his first actual baseball since the 2018-19 season in Cuba. Like we talked about, he started heating up, started crushing the ball, but they they put him up to Triple A pretty quick. So I do think there is some intention to have him ready for next year. <laughs> Not maybe, maybe it's opening day, maybe at some point, uh, later on in the season, but he definitely seems like a guy they'll be counting on in 20, uh, 2022. But on the pitching right. side, the uh, the Astros we talked about him. I did an article interview with him a few weeks ago. JP France had another good outing, went seven innings. He's got an ERA at 3.07 this year, 38 strikeouts in 20 29 innings. So, another good. Pitching performance, we, we we continue to talk about it, the way the Astros find pitchers, and that's just another one. Overall, the, the the team has kind of struggled a little bit. They play in some very hitter-friendly parks, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and so over the last couple uh, games, the uh, the pitching staff has gotten beaten up a little bit, but even then, there's still been some, some good performances, and I think the Astros do have a nice, solid depth of pitching down at the AAA level.
0: Oh, I agree. I think, like I was saying earlier, we have a good uh, bunch of prospects at the outfield positions down in the minors. I think pitching as well, that, that seems to be the Astros' forte, especially within the organization from top to bottom, is uh, drafting, signing, and then developing good pitching. You know, we talked about the Pedro Leones of the world and, and the guys that are our top prospects, but there's a lot of good hidden guys that are down there that are playing really yeah. well not just for a week or two or even a month, they're having really good, solid seasons. Look at Jake Myers, man. I mean, like, yeah. I really think he's going to be on a big league club at this point next year. Maybe not opening day, but he doesn't really have much left to prove at, a, in the minor leagues, man. He's already got that elite defensive skill, and he's he's been killing the ball, man. It's just it, – it, it's really good. You know, three months ago, whenever we uh, started the season up, we had Jim Callis on. Callis would – you know, he was saying, you know, the Astro system – It's not nearly as good as it used to be, but it's not as bad as people are saying it is either. And that's totally true.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And and we'll jump down to double-A and you'll see exactly like what you're talking about, these these guys that are having these seasons that you didn't expect, but they're sitting, they're currently sitting at 31-39. Like I said, we've said it over and over, not too really worried about the record, but worried about the play and the guy down there, Corey Lee, hitting three hundred four with a 930 OPS. He's only struck out 12 times in 31 games in double-A, and that's, that's a, that's, that's big for me. You know, he's a guy that hits for power and, and is a power bat has a lot of raw power in there. And to only strike out 12 times in 31 games shows that he knows what he's doing at the plate. He's not swinging at bad pitches. And when he is swinging he's making contact and I've watched a lot of the hooks games over the last you know couple yeah. months. And very rarely do you see him go up in an at bat and just look, honestly, I don't know if I can recall an at bat where he looked like he was overpowered by anybody. He he's handling it all well even on the defensive side. So, you know, we, we talked about him and like you said, Jim Callis early in the season talked about how we asked what he maybe get some top hundred potential or being a top hundred prospect list. And he was kind of like, well, he was drafted a little higher and, you know, he didn't do a whole lot in his first year in the minors. And I think he's kind of thrown that all away this year. Corey Lee has and shown that he deserves to be one of the top, you know, catching prospects, probably in all of baseball.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I completely agree. There's, I mean, when we talked with Spencer last week, Spencer put it the best. He said, there isn't something that I can point out in Corey Lee's game that worries me or that isn't very good. He is a well-rounded baseball player. He's a very good catcher. Uh, You know, got a good arm. He's good defensively. It's just, this is a very valuable uh, player to have in, in baseball. You don't really find many of these types of catchers. And, you know, I'm, I'm talking like 10 years away from now, but, right. you know, we were just talking with Chandler, and Chandler was talking about how the Astros don't typically hand out long-term deals. Mm-hmm. You know, if Corey Lee becomes what we hope he can become, those are the types of positions and the types of players that you do keep around, the buster posies of the world. Right. You know, I mean, it's just, it, it's great to have one in our system, finally.
1: Yeah, definitely. And another guy who coming into the season, I don't think people were expecting a lot, but Joe Perez, we saw what he did early in the season. And we said, man, he's, he's due for promotion. He gets promoted to high A, destroys the ball there. And we're like, man, he may end up in double A. And the next thing you know, he's promoted double A. So he started out, he struggled a little bit, uh, wasn't striking out a ton. So that, like I said, that was a a good thing, but sitting, wasn't hitting for much average, but over the last seven games, he's up to 345. Yesterday, he went two for five, had a double. So he's starting to get things turned around. And uh, another guy, 21 years old, former second round pick, who's putting together a really good season. And, you know, I, I think he's probably not going to he's not going to get a, a, any on any top hundred list. But I think he's really shown that he's a legitimate prospect. And we've seen that so much this year in the Astro system. So the, the rankings that we were talking about. They had the Astros as the 28th or 30th ranked farm system. Clearly, I do have some bias, but I definitely think that has to that that's gone now. The Astros are better than the the, the bottom of the barrel when it comes to the, the far, uh, minor league system, and I think we've seen that a, a lot this year.
0: Oh, I agree. There's no way we're going to be rated that. But well, I, I take that back. There's no way we are that low. Mm-hmm. If we get rated that low again, it may just be because it's a midseason and maybe right. you know they don't have the full offseason to really study everybody, but they the Astros organization is not that low, man. It's there. We have such a good system and you know how much I love Joe Perez. Mm. Um, he's not going to make any top hundred lists. I don't think either, you know, to be a third baseman and make to the top hundred list, you have to pretty much check every single box. Um, and, you know, he's only done it so far just this year, because mm. as we've said in the past, injury bugs, just stuff like that, we're constantly getting him, but he looks to be past that man. And, and uh, it's going to be really exciting to see Joe Perez's uh, continued success in the minors
1: yeah and that we, we've kind of been hitting on the hitting side but on the pitching side too another guy who probably will maybe get some top 100 consideration hunter brown and he's got his era down to 4.40 now struggled a little bit earlier this season but he's got 70 strikeouts in 45 innings a 2 one era over his last five outings and, and we talked about the top rotation stuff he's the guy that's got the the mid-90s fastball that can hit 98-99 Big breaking curve, nice slider, and he's really been putting it all together over the last month or wow. month and a half.
0: Oh yeah, definitely, man. And that's that's one guy that I know that you've been talking about since last offseason. Told me to keep my eye on him. Um, he will. He's going to be a name. He's going to be a name to watch. And see, that's mm-hmm. the thing. If, if you have a system that isn't very good, you shouldn't have this many names to watch. We have several right. names to watch. Sure. Even after Pedro León graduates to the big leagues, which will be very probably the first one of our top prospects. We're still going to have several that we're going to be able to keep our eye on and continue watching, and he's one of them.
1: Yep, and on the there's other pitchers that are killing it too. Jonathan Bermudez got. 86 strikeouts in 61 innings. Nick Hernandez down in double-A, we've talked about him. Uh, struggled with some injuries, but he's having a good season in relief. So, really good performances. And Scott Schreiber, another guy who kind of came out of nowhere. He's 25 years old, but he's showing power. He's got four doubles, three homers, and 14 games in double-A. He was killing it in, in high-A. So, just, just more good performances out of the Astro system that coming in the season, you, you really weren't expecting a lot from some of these guys.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's just, it's just really it- – it's really refreshing to see that because coming into the season, I know that, you know, we didn't have a very good system, not, have, not having really much to do with the whole sign stealing scandal, mm-hmm. but just the fact that we were winning, we were winning at a high level. We won a World Series. Uh, the better you are at the major leagues, the smaller your compensation pool begins to get. Right. So, you know, we were working with what we had, but it's just, it's really good to see that this is just a testament to our scouting and player development. Man, it, it's really, it's really good.
1: Yeah, for sure. And we'll, we'll jump down to high A, the main guy down there that's been crushing basically all season, Matthew Barefoot. He's got a 960 OPS, 16 homers, 17 yep. stolen bases, kind of doing it all for the Taurus right now. And hopefully he'll get an opportunity to, to be in double A at some point this year. And um, just another guy that was a mid-round pick, I think is a fifth round pick. And the Astros made some adjustments to his swing and they've really started to show this year. And he's, he's putting together a really good season.
0: Yeah, he's, uh, he's a prospect that I think a lot of uh, Astros fans are going to want to keep their eye on for next year. I think he's going to have multiple promotions. If he doesn't get promoted to double-A this year, he'll in all likelihood uh, start at double-A next year. But right. that kid is going to be in the big leagues very, very soon. So, so good.
1: Yeah, and another fifth-round pick, Shea Wickham. Uh, he was fifth-round fifth round pick last year. He kind of came out of nowhere with what he's doing. He's sitting 286, but he's got 13 homers, 20 stolen bases, and he's kind of striking out a lot right now. But you're seeing some of that talent that he has with the homers, the stolen bases. So another, another guy, another good season from him. And then on the, uh, the pitching side, you got Jaime Melendez who put up unreal numbers, like video game numbers in Fayetteville, And he's got promoted to high A. He's only pitched about like I think 15-20 innings there, but he's got a 3.52 2 ERA so far. It starts today, but he's just 19 years old, and a guy that uh, I'm really excited to see what he continues to do, especially given just how young he is.
0: I agree, man. Um, the, the fact that he's 19 years old, killing it down there—that's a very, very good sign. I mean, I say killing. I know his ERA isn't exactly what we want, but the, the, his peripherals, everything that about him, just screams that he is going to be um, a name, someone that a lot of player, a lot of uh, fans are going to like, and I think the front office and the, and the team in general will be a, will be pretty high on him moving on, mm-hmm. moving forward.
1: So with the draft, which we talked about last week, and I'll, I'll hit on it here in a little bit, there have been some promotions. So Luke Hill, Zach Daniels, and J.C. Correa were all promoted to high A from Fayetteville. I did an article on Luke Berry Hill about uh, the trade from the Reds and how that's kind of been a good thing for him. The Astros made some adjustments to his swing, and they uh, it, so far it's turned out well. I think over his last – I think in July he was hitting like 380 with five homers, and it's put together a good season. So interesting to see how those guys do in, in high a. They've only played about two or three games so far. Um, but we'll jump down to Fayetteville. Right now, they've, they've kind of – they've suffered a lot of the promotion, so they, they got a lot of younger players, a lot of guys that haven't had a lot of time there. Um, Nathan Perry, a 21-year-old catcher. His OPS is at 722, but he does have seven doubles, three homers, kind of showing off that power. So hopefully we'll get to see a little bit more for him. And then Jordan Brewer, a guy who had some really good college numbers, was kind of a high upside pick. Uh, he started off the season kind of kind of slow, but he's up to 250 now, and he's got 14 stolen bases. The the performances down there aren't as good as we were seeing maybe earlier in the season with the promotions, but still a lot of guys to watch
0: at that level. Yeah, Fayetteville's kind of been that revolving door for us this year. Mm -hmm. It it was kind of to be expected. You know, we didn't have minor league baseball last year. Um, We we said multiple times earlier in the season that we thought that a lot of guys were going to get promoted rather quickly so they could get to where the organization would have wanted them to be this year had COVID not happened and not shut down all uh, baseball. So that that is unfortunate for Fayetteville, but uh, I feel like we had a pretty strong draft and I think a lot of yep. those uh, players are going to be placed there uh, relatively soon to finish out the season and then to start next season. So we'll kind of get back to normal.
1: Yeah. And on the pitching side, uh, Miseo Tamara is a guy that Spencer mentioned last week is a kind of a name to watch. And overall, he's got a four, eight, nine ERA, but last night he looked really good Went five innings struck out seven. Uh, so he's a 21 year old pitcher. So you're kind of seeing some of the upside that he has down there. Um, but yeah, th- there's been a lot of promotions too. So they got a guy, that just got called up from the Florida Complex League, Christian Gonzalez, a 19-year-old shortstop, who's holding his own. Hopefully he'll stay there. I don't know if he's going to go back down when some of these guys start funneling in. But uh, just a lot of young players getting an opportunity, especially with the the, um, the system that only has the four main teams rather than having the the short season, the Tri-City, like that. So we're seeing the guys kind of get thrown to the fire and really just seeing how they're going to handle it.
0: Yeah, man, for sure. It's just it – just, it's been a bit of a transition year. But like we were saying – it, everything should be back to normal by this point, or no, I'm sorry, by the beginning of next year. And yeah. it's just been, I just feel like it's been a very, very refreshing and very good system, for sure. or season overall for the minor league system yep. for the Astros. I know that most of our teams down there don't have uh, very good records. A has a winning record and they're going to be headed to the playoffs. But there's still a lot of talent down there and we're seeing it. We highlight them as often as we possibly can. And, yeah. and it's something that, that that you know fans should definitely be high on. We have a lot of good guys down there.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's been, it's been a good, I think, overall, a good year in the system. We've gotten the performances that we wanted to see from some of these guys. And real quick, we'll hit on the draft. The Astros did sign their their first pick uh, in the third round, Tyler Whitaker, but they signed him to a $1.5 million bonus. Slot was only 689000 That just shows you how bad the Astros wanted him and what they thought about him as a prospect.
0: Yeah, I believe you had said – you looked it up, and the 1.5 amount was – that tends to be the amount that that's given out to early to mid-second round to mid round picks. Right. So, like like you said, they they clearly thought pretty highly of him. Um, I'm glad we signed him. Spencer was pretty high on him, so I like that a lot. All right,
1: that's going to do it for today's episode. So, if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast.
0: And be sure to follow Apollo HOU for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else.
1: As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast covering your Astros in the minor league system.